0: Well, it's great to be here with you this morning as we uh, continue in our series, uh, Faith Works, Volume Two. We're looking at the book of James, and if you've been with us uh, in the fall, you know that we're actually continuing the book of James. Uh, we're finishing it up uh, this winter series, and James is is a book that speaks directly to wisdom. What does it mean to really be a follower of Christ? In other words, he answers really the question. Um, If you're a believer, how now should we live? And what we're going to discover this morning in the text we're going to look at is that James describes two types of wisdom. Now, I want to be really clear before we jump in. There really aren't two types of wisdom, but he's going to contrast sort of a a pseudo-wisdom, and we'll look at that in just a minute, with the true wisdom of God. St. Augustine said this. He said, the greatest good is wisdom. The greatest good is wisdom. Wisdom. And I think that could be a fair summary of what James introduces to us this morning. And wisdom really begins with knowing God. In other words, what God calls us to is is to walk in wisdom. And wisdom isn't just knowing things. It's being able to live in the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus said, Jesus said of himself he says I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and and James of course has been talking to us about the fact that if we need wisdom all we need to do is come to God. And so the passage we're going to look at is found in James chapter 3:13 through 18 and and you'll find that in this in this passage is really one of the most descriptive um definitions of of wisdom. Uh, there's a couple of lists that we're going to go through. And I'm not a big list person, but but for us to really get what James is talking about, it's, it's worth going through the list that he gives us. But before we do, let's look at our passage together. James 3, 13 through 18. And James writes, Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's interesting, the word that, that James uses here for wisdom is, is Sophia. It, it means practical knowledge. Practical knowledge. It, it's, it's putting practical knowledge into practice. And, and, and remember, almost every week I say this, when we're looking at this passage, we got to understand that context is what? All right, you're getting there, Okay. <laughs> context is king King. it's probably the number one principle when we study scripture of all the hermeneutical principles context is king and why is that important because we never want to look at a verse or a passage and isolate it from the rest of scripture so when we're studying the book of James and we're looking at this particular passage we want to understand the passage in the context of the entire book and James sets off if you will our understanding of wisdom in the very first chapter, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And so what James writes here is in context of what he wrote back in chapter 1, verse 5. James assures us, that when we ask God for wisdom, he gives willingly to those who ask. And of course, if we read the rest of chapter 1 this morning, those who ask with a willingness to obey. So what James writes in James three thirteen 13-18 helps us understand what wisdom from above is. What is God's wisdom? And he contrasted with what we'll call this morning earthly wisdom. Now, I use earthly wisdom, that word wisdom, with a very, very small W, because what we'll find is that earthly wisdom isn't all that wise, and his list makes it really clear. And so let's go through sort of James' list of earthly wisdom. First of all, he says that if you want to be able to identify earthly wisdom, you need to understand that it's going to have bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy. If you remember from last week, we looked at this illustration in chapter 3, verse 11, that talked about a bitter spring. And James says that a bitter spring can't produce both bitter and fresh water. It's bitter. And that's the word he uses here, bitter, for, for bitter jealousy. In other words, it, it brings disorder in every vile practice. And, and so that's that's sort of the earthly wisdom, he also says what earthly wisdom has selfish ambition. He uses the word here, but speaks of, of faction, it's a party split, it's it's getting your own way, doing your own thing, and it creates a we they situation. It's selfish ambition at its worst. And, and when I look at, to be very honest with you, what I would call extremely divided culture, I think part of the reason is because most people are seeking earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom. And I think James sort of echoes that, or I'm echoing him. The third thing is he talks about boasting. The word for boasting here is interesting. It's not merely boasting, it's boasting against something. So it's not just like boasting that I'm all that, it's like boasting and saying I'm all that and you're wrong, you know? It's against something, and James says it's boasting against the truth. I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, that's ignorance at its best, right? I'm going to boast, but I'm going to boast against what is true. And James says, if you want to know what earthly wisdom is, that, that's a clear sign. And then he really makes it extremely clear. He says, if you want to know what earthly wisdom is? It, it's lying. Lie. To speak an untruth or attempt to deceive with falsehood. And here he uses a word that would be very, we, we, we understand. He uses as a root word there, pseudo, pseudo, meaning not really the real thing, right? We talk about pseudo whatever, you know, and and I was thinking about this and I thought about the first mission trip my wife and I took out of the country was to the Dominican Republic and she bought us each a pair of flip-flops to take with us, but since she didn't really know if they were going to come back with us, she bought us, well, let's just say a pair that didn't cost a lot of money. And on the first day that I wore, mine just blew out, like they were done. And so for the rest of the trip, I said, I wish you hadn't bought me flip-flops. <laughs> and when people say, what are flip-flops? I said, well, they're sort of like flip-flops, but not quite. You know, that's pseudo, right? You know, if anyone knows me, I love ketchup. And I'm very picky. I, pick, I prefer Heinz ketchup. In fact, my father would often tell people if he had known when I was born, he would have bought stock in Heinz. And he would have made a lot of money. And I always say that if it's not Heinz, it's ketchup spelled with a C. You know, it's sort of pseudo ketchup. And, and so it's interesting that, that James would use this word that we get this understanding of sort of not the real thing as saying that's what lying is. In other words, it has enough of what sounds like the truth to almost think it's real. But then like that flimsy pair of flip-flops, you try to take it for a little test drive, and before you know it, it just blows out, doesn't it? And James says that's what, that's what earthly wisdom is. He even gives us a source of earthly wisdom. And here we find really a key teaching throughout Scripture too. He says earthly wisdom, in verse 15, is, is, is earthly. Now what's that word earthly means? It means from the worldly system. It means from our culture. It means sort of the culture that we've developed apart from God. He says it comes from that. He says it's unspiritual. And when he says unspiritual, he's talking about the flesh. In other words, it's not from the spiritual realm. It's from our own sort of thinking apart from God. It's from ourselves. It's from our, our failings, really. It's from our, our leaning to want to sort of stray away from God. You know, the, there's, there's this understanding of being tethered to the Lord. And why do we need to be tethered to God? Because we're prone to wander, the, the hymn writer writes. If you ever found that true in your life, don't raise your hand. You know, prone to wander. And then 30 says it's demonic. In other words, it comes from the devil himself. And here's a very key teaching. People will ask me, for instance, where does temptation come from? And I think all of us would just like to blame the devil. You know, oh, it's all him. And the scripture says, no, there's always three things working together. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And so what is it? You know, I feel oppressed. Is it the enemy? Well, it's always the enemy, but it's always also our prone to wandering. The flesh. It's always the culture in which we live in. It's always those three things in conjunction. And so it's interesting when, when, when James looks at this earthly wisdom, this is pseudo-wisdom, this, this fake wisdom, he says it really has three sources. And it's not. he doesn't mean it can come from one of three, it means it comes from the three. The world, the flesh, and the devil, and he's telling us to be aware of that. And he says there's two results of this wisdom. Look with me again at verse 16. He says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Disorder, disruption, turmoil, instability. Think about it. God's wisdom brings peace, but earthly wisdom brings disorder. Disorder. We find that in our culture. We, we find that in relationships. We find that in marriages. We find that all over the place when we think about it. He says the second thing it brings is every vile practice. And I sort of like the way he writes that because it's sort of a summary of all bad stuff, isn't it? Like he doesn't want to give us another list because I think he realizes that list would be extremely long. And so he just simply says every vile practice and everything, everything that's, that, that, that brings disorder, everything that's, that's out of character with God, everything that would sort of disrupt who we are in Christ, everything that would destroy a relationship that God wants to flourish, all these things, every vile practice is a result of earthly wisdom. And so he says, I want you to recognize that. I want you to recognize what earthly wisdom is when you're in conversations I want you to recognize what earthly wisdom is when, 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 you're, when you're speaking. You know, is that godly wisdom or is that earthly wisdom? And so he's, he's given us this great picture of earthly wisdom, but then he jumps into giving us this amazing picture of godly wisdom. Look at verse 17 with me. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Again, James gives us another list, doesn't he? Worth looking at. It's pure. He means it's moral, right? It's clean. It's innocent. It's perfect. That word right there for pure is the same word we get, holy, hallowed, sanctification. There's something about the godly wisdom that that purifies us. He says it's peaceable. And interesting, that word peaceable really means to, to be quieted, to be calmed. Have you ever been in a situation where it was just overwhelming? And maybe one morning you were just reading through God's word and you came across a particular verse and that truth just washed over you and brought a little calmness to your spirit. That's what James is picturing here for us, that the very truth of God is is a calming of our spirit. It's gentle. It's patient. It's considerate. I, I, I look at that one, it's the very character of Christ. Paul compares the quality of being gentle with, with, with against being argumentative. So earthly wisdom, argumentative, godly wisdom, peaceable, gentle. It's open to reason. Think about that, conciliatory and, and ready to be convinced. Have you ever been in a situation where it was a battle of truth? You know? And what ends up happening in a battle of truth is you typically talk over each other, right? Isn't that how, a, how an argument begins? You know, someone else starts to talk and you're not really listening. You're just thinking, what am I going to say? And so even before they get done, you're excited to give your point, right? And so you give, am I, am I meddling this morning? And so you give your point. And then the other person isn't listening to you either. They're just thinking, what do I want to say? So before you get done, they give their point. Then you give your point. Then you give your point. Before you know it, you're not even listening. You're just speaking, both of you. None of you have ever been there, I know. I'm only speaking to myself. But that's not what godly wisdom is. Godly wisdom is conciliatory. It's ready to be convinced. It's seeking to listen, to understand. Full of mercy. Don't think there's any any coincidence that full of mercy comes right after the open to reason, right? Mercy is a part of the very character of God. It's, it, it, God is the source of mercy, and God's rich in mercy, the scripture tells us. I, I love this. Good fruits. In, in fact, Paul in Galatians 5, 22-23 talks about what those fruits are. We're not going to go into it this morning, but I encourage you to look it up later. Galatians 5, 22-23 But there's good fruits that come out of it. How do you know it's godly wisdom? Because good stuff is produced from it. It's impartial. And we see this over and over again in the the book of James, this idea of impartiality, of not showing favoritism, of seeing all people as made in the image of God and receiving them as such, treating them with the same dignity, dignity that you would want to be treated, and understanding that if we're all made in the image of God, that when we do something... To someone else that's wrong that really we're doing it to god in effigy and and i've often said if you want to mess with me that's okay you got to mess with my father <laughs> come on church there's power in that reality but there's also a sober reminder when we're dealing with other people isn't it because they're a child of god and if we want to deal wrongly with them guess who we have to deal with ultimately the father James 318 gives us this complete picture of of godly wisdom. It says, in a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And again, he makes a summary statement, much like when he talked about all the bad acts, right? The vile things. He says, you know, that, that's sort of what earthly wisdom brings. He says, well, godly wisdom brings us harvest of righteousness. And another way of, uh, of looking at that harvest of righteousness, the way it's written by James and, and the way he wrote it, is that it's true in godly justice. True and godly justice. That godly wisdom is, is, is just. It's right. It brings life. And so here it is, James wants us to understand that the godly wisdom, however, he gives us this list, isn't just to be recognized, it's to be lived. It's not just to be recognized, it's to be lived. And I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, there, there are Bible teachers in universities who don't know Jesus. Does that blow your mind? And they don't claim to. I mean, there's individuals at universities who claim to be experts in scripture, but don't believe that God exists. What a waste of time, by the way. If you don't believe God exists, there's no reason to be an expert in scripture. How many of you agree with that? What a waste of time. What a waste of degree. What a waste of money. And so so it's not just to be recognized, it's not just that we that we're able to to quote a verse, although quoting a verse is a good thing, but the real challenge is to live in it, isn't it? In fact, sometimes I think we've got to watch ourselves because sometimes the verses that we know we use against people instead of for our lives. Right? You know, I've heard people say if you were just a better Christian, you wouldn't, and they quote a verse at somebody. You have heard it too, haven't you? And I'm like, let me let me tell you, why don't you live it and then maybe that person will follow you? All right, I'm meddling a little bit this morning, but I don't want to get in too much trouble. Two questions James answers for us. Two very, very powerful questions. First of all, how do we get wisdom? And again, he shares that right in the first chapter. Right in the first chapter, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. God is the source of wisdom, and it's ours for the asking. You know, and that's the first question. How do we get it? We we come to God. And and I just want to I I want to really clarify this for a minute. When we talk about coming to God for wisdom, and we talk about asking. We're never talking about prayer in isolation from God's word. Does that make sense? Like I'll have people say, you know, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and God hasn't given me any wisdom. And I'll say, wow, you know, where are you reading in God's word? And then it's like, chirp, chirp, chirp. What do you mean? Well, this is the source of godly wisdom. There's 66 books. It's it's actually a pretty big book, really. There's a lot of wisdom in here. In fact, the book of Proverbs is a whole book of wisdom. I'm not trying to pick here. I'm just trying to, I wouldn't be a good pastor. I wouldn't be a good brother in Christ if I weren't honest about this. That if we're not in God's word and we're praying for wisdom, I'm guessing you're probably not gonna get it. Chirp, 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 thank you. <laughs> that was beautiful. I need to have you right up here, right? It's right there right when that happens. But, but you follow what I'm saying, right? And as we're in God's word, how many oh, how many times have, have you read God's word and something stuck out for you and then it just popped out throughout the day? You ever notice that? It's like when you buy a vehicle, right? And it's new to you. It may not be a new vehicle, but it's new to you. And you never really recognize how many of them were on the road till you had one. You're like, oh my goodness, there's one. There's, I never saw these, you know? It's like you're in God's word and he shows you a truth. And all of a sudden you're on the radio and something pops up. And you're like, man, that's talking about that truth. Or you're in a conversation. Isn't it interesting how much of God's word you're able to use when you're in God's word? And James is talking about this. So, when you know the source of wisdom, it's God. And, and I think sometimes when God says, "You know, you're, you're asking me for something that I've given you over and over again," right here. And the second question: Who is actually wise and understanding? Well, James three thirteen. He answers it very clearly. He says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom." In other words, those who actually possess godly wisdom are those who humbly manifest good conduct and works in their daily lives. Now, as believers, we understand we don't have godly works in our life to earn anything, right? That's a whole other message. If you want to get to lunch, we've got to be on the same page on this one, okay? Like, like we don't earn our way into salvation. Is that true? Jesus paid the price that we could not pay. And sometimes as believers, then we we say yes to Jesus and we think, okay, but I have to be really good to keep this thing. And that's not true either. In fact, the scripture is very clear that we continue to be followers of Christ, uh, mainly mainly and purely because of who he is in our life. Amen, church? However, however, those who love Jesus are going to become more and more like him. So if you want to know a Christ follower, it's not someone who's perfect, but it's someone who's progressing. Come on, church! It's not someone who's perfect, but it's someone who's progressing, becoming more like Jesus, walking in His humble power, walking humbly in His power, and in His wisdom. Jesus taught that it will know people by the fruit of their lives. People who possess godly wisdom, I don't believe, can hide it. It just sort of oozes out of them. And the characteristics of wisdom begin to be sharper and sharper and sharper in their life. One of the wisest individuals I ever have had the privilege of knowing is a man by the name of Brad. You you probably will never meet Brad. Brad was the vice chairman at the first church that I was lead pastor for over eight years. And and Brad was was a godly, wise man. I don't say this to to in any way bring him down. I just say this to be very honest. He didn't have a huge spiritual pedigree. In other words, he didn't have this this long line of, of godly, wise individuals in his past that was pouring into him. And he didn't have what you would call an academically robust resume. He was a simple man, a simple worker, a hard worker. But he was a wise man. Brad was a a prayer warrior and a man of God's word. In fact, uh, probably I was thinking about this as I was putting this message together. And when I think of just like a, a core of people in my life who have prayed a great deal with me. And I think of how long I've, I've been alive, and if you want to know, none of your business. Um, but as I was thinking about that, I thought even though Brad and I were together for just over eight years, he was one of the few individuals who's prayed as much as he has in my life. There's very few who have. My wife, I, I can name them. Brad was the type of individual that that he was vice chairman of the board. And so if he knew there was a difficulty that we were facing or, or, or he knew I had a counseling appointment with someone, whatever was going on, like someone passed, he would just randomly like stop in at the church. And he would never, he said, look, Craig, if you don't have time, it's okay. But I just want to pray with you real quick. Do you know how amazingly encouraging that is? He would stop in before we had Saturday service. We would just pop in before Saturday service. He'd say, hey, before you get up there, do you mind if I pray with you? No, I never said no. <laughs> yeah, I mind deeply. <laughs> he would just, he'd just pray. I, on Sundays, he would come and, and I would just see him randomly praying with people. And people would seek him out to, for wisdom. I saw people with very robust, robust resumes, with careers that, that, that would impress anybody. Come to Brad for wisdom. He was just, had the wisdom of God oozing from him. You couldn't help but wonder if he couldn't say as Paul did, follow me as I follow Christ. In fact, I know he could do it because people were following him as he followed Christ. You say, well, Craig, why why do you share about Brad? Because I could share about others who who also are very godly people with robust resumes or, or, or huge pedigrees. And yet the reality, if I did that, then you would say, well, that's for them, but I'm not one of them. And yet all of us are one of Brad. And, and some of us will look at it, Brad, and say, man, that's a supernatural Christian. Yet when we look at scripture, you know what we find out? He's a normal Christian. He's a normal Christian. That's what a Christian is supposed to be. And and it's interesting because I think we sometimes confuse in our culture average with normal. Average is if you went to a hospital ward and, and there was some sickness in that ward and, and the average temperature was 102 degrees. None of us would say that was normal. None of us would seek to be that, right? Right? Okay. Let's scared there for a minute. Normal is what, 98 point? Okay, all the nurses are helping me and doctors. Okay. <laughs> You get it. Brad's a normal believer. He may not be the average believer because I think sometimes the world of flesh and the devil gets us believers to think that we, that we don't have the ability to be what the normal believer is. And yet the scripture says all of us have the ability to be what the normal believer is. In other words, all of us have the ability to walk in the wisdom of God. It's ours for the asking. It's ours for the discipline of being God's word. It's ours for the care Of saying, Lord, I want the fruit of wisdom in my marriage. I want the fruit of wisdom in my family. I want the fruit of wisdom when I'm at work. I want the fruit of wisdom when I'm at school. I want the fruit of wisdom when I'm in my community. I'm not going to whine about the world around me. I'm going to be a world changer. Because that's what the wisdom of God allows us to be. Come on, church. And I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you find yourself. That the resources of heaven are at your disposal if you're in Jesus Christ. That his wisdom is at your disposal to be a changer of the world around you. But it starts with me. It starts with you. Saying, Lord God, please take that earthly wisdom that I know is in me sometimes and get rid of it. And fill me with your wisdom. That I speak words of life. And to those around me, not words of death. And I walk in the power of your spirit that indwells me. It begins with knowing God, doesn't it? But once we know Him, oh, what a journey. Oh, what a journey. I encourage you this morning, if you've yet to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, that's the first step. Begin with that this morning. Come to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus, whether you're on campus, whether you're watching online, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and then let him with his wisdom direct your steps. Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, I cannot imagine a time that's ever happened in my life where I didn't need wisdom. Unfortunately, there were times where I didn't recognize it, times where I didn't seek it out, but there's never been a time I didn't need it. And what's so encouraging to me is as we look at this book of James is that we find that wisdom is ours for the asking. It's ours for the opening up of your word. It's, it's ours as we pray and, and read your word and talk to those, Lord God, who know you and walk in the truth. Lord, we understand that it it all begins with coming to you because Jesus saying of himself, he said, I'm the way, the truth, the truth and the life. In fact, no one comes to the Father except through him. And so I pray even this morning that if there's anyone here that's yet to receive you as, as Lord and Savior in the quietness of their heart, that they would say yes to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins, being resurrected for our salvation. And as we say yes to you, we're not just saying yes to you as Savior, we're saying yes to you as Lord. That you would direct our steps. That you would transform us. And we understand that this this pursuit of perfection really is just a pursuit of progress, Lord, that we would grow more and more like you. As I've said many times, you know, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm a work in progress. And there's power when we walk with you in that way. Lord, may we not see wisdom as as just simply what we know when we see wisdom in what we know and put into practice. And Lord, as you've blessed this gathering of your church, I pray as we scatter throughout our community that you would allow fruits of wisdom, Lord God, fruits of wisdom to not just change us, but change those around us, drawing them to you, drawing them to your power, drawing them to your peace, Thank you so much for the relationship that we have with you. But we don't just gather to study philosophy. We don't just gather to look at lists. We gather to lift up the mighty name of Jesus. And the understanding that as we leave this place, that we don't leave you here. You go with us. In fact, it's probably better said we go with you. So would you take us to places we never dreamt we could go, Lord God, in our relationship with you, with, with our married, with our spouses, Lord God, with our kids, again, with our coworkers, with our schoolmates. Help us be everyday missionaries in the everyday mission fields where we live, where we go to work, where we go to school, where we play. In all of us, Lord God, for your glory, for your glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.